Welcome to For Heaven's Sake, a 7th Heaven podcast. I'm your co-host, Lady J. And your host, T. Ooh, still not grammatically correct, but different. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I'm the co-host and you're the host. Yeah, now I switched it up. The tables have turned. (laughs) How are you doing, T? Great, and how are you? I'm good, man. Yeah? I'm good. Are you jazzed? I'm so jazzed. Yeah? I'm like, I, well, okay, let's be real. <laughs> I mean, I'm as jazzed as I could be to talk about this episode. <laughs> How, are you jazzed? Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> Lukewarm sentiments. There we go. <laughs> so. Um, I guess we should just get right into it. Yep. This is episode 520, mm-hmm. titled Regrets. Continuing the trend of single word titles mm-hmm. this season. And the Amazon Prime spoilie is Ruthie circulates a petition to keep a well-liked African-American teacher from getting fired. Ah. Ah. That's what happens. Ah. Ah. Yes. That is what happens. <laughs> that is what happens. It's quite right. <laughs> um... Gosh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know, like, how to, I don't know. <laughs> how to start this episode? Yeah. It's, the way that I see it is it's kind of broken down into, like, three storylines. hmm Which, and the third one is, like, arguable, but it's there. It's, like, subtle, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And so there's the... There's the one that the spoilie talks about, which is Ruthie's teacher, who um, who she circulates a petition about. Yeah. And then there's Grandpa Pete Charles' storyline, which, yeah. holla, he's back. It's about time. Um, yeah. And surprisingly enough, like, I mean, I guess they touch on his Alzheimer's, but it's not even about that. Not really. at all. Um, and then there's the, like, what I'll call the C story, which is sort of just peppered throughout the episode, which is, like, the fact that Robbie isn't registered to vote. <laughs> I found that... What? Well, I mean, because that's... I mean, that's the catalyst, if you will, but, like, it sparks, then, a lot of... Um, we'll call them subtle... Yeah. Um, ...conversations about the state of the world at that time Mm -hmm. (laughs) or the state of America at that time. We'll say that. Um, which to put everybody in a context, we're in May of 2001 Mm -hmm. when this aired. And so we're on the heels of the 2000 of the year 2000 presidential election, Mm -hmm. which to refresh everyone's memory was, um, I think maybe the first time in at least our living history that the popular vote ended up not matching the electoral vote. (laughs) I'll say that Mm -hmm. and leave it there. Uh, This is not a political podcast, so we'll speak politics insofar as they pertain to this episode. How about that? Yeah. Um, So yeah, so given those three storylines... Kind of, sort of, like, they're all so meaty. Like, well, the first two are so meaty. Like, I don't even know, like, where to begin. But I guess maybe we should talk about Ruthie's whole deal. Like, okay. and, with the teacher and everything first. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that makes the most sense. Okay. In terms of weight and gravity. Sure. <laughs> gravity. Is that John Mayer? He does have a song called Gravity, but I was also thinking about Sarah Bareilles' song, Gravity. Is that a different song? Yeah. Like, one's not a cover of the other? Mm. Basically. Oh, it is? No, Sarah Bareilles is, isn't a cover. Oh, okay. But and is John Mayer's the cover? I think so. Oh. Mm-hmm. I think his is a cover. But his was like the huge mega top 40 hit, wasn't it? Am I misremembering that? Because I just happened to know that song. Maybe. I have no idea. Interesting. Oh, well. I don't know the history of his hits. I guess we won't ever know then. <laughs> um, okay. So, Ruthie's teacher. <laughs> um, oh my god, I, I don't even know. It's like so crazy. Like, I don't know. Um, so, Ruthie has this petition and she's showing it to Annie and Eric mm-hmm. at 
breakfast one morning yeah. or whatever. And she's telling them how one of her teachers is getting fired and she's a great teacher and everyone loves her and like why is she getting fired and that's like bullshit. So she started this petition and like so many people have already signed it including all the students in the house, all the mm-hmm. kids in the house. And Annie and Eric like rightfully are like, well they don't even go to your school, what are you doing? And they're yeah. like, yeah, but they're students. And this is a student petition protesting the mm-hmm. firing of this teacher. So then Annie signs it too because she's a student. I'm a student. And she's like proud to do it and stuff. And Eric's like, well, I feel like maybe you don't know all the facts or like maybe there's more to it. And Ruthie's like, no, this is bullshit. <laughs> and, and so anyway, so Eric's like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this because that's what he does because he's Eric. Yep. Um, so... Basically, over the course of the episode, we see a series of scenes like there's this there's that scene where Ruthie is in the principal's office Mm -hmm. with Eric or like Eric shows up or whatever. And she's like straight up like yelling at this principal Mm -hmm. like or because it's hard to say that they're having a debate (laughs) like because it's very passionate on Ruthie's end. And Mrs. McCool is like relax like no 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 or whatever and Ruthie's like this is the worst thing ever and whatever and it gets to the point where like so many people have signed this petition and it's like so like big news that it makes the local news Mm -hmm. like the evening news or whatever of Glen Oak yeah which again speaks to like how small is this town that that is news (laughs) like what the fuck well, we will, I, I mean, I, I know I've said this, but, like, we will literally never get to the bottom of the size of Glen no. Oak. And what's so funny is, like, so many of the other things, like, comments we've made about the show, like, on the meta level, mm-hmm. I feel like the show has one way or another addressed in the meta level, like, where, like, a character will say something and it's like, yeah, okay, their res- that, that statement is in response to, like, popular opinion about the show or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? But that is one that they have not ever, like, in the five almost complete seasons we've seen, like, they've never done, like, a wink and a nod to, like, is this a big town or a small town? Yeah, you know? I know. I know. And I just don't think they ever are going to because they because they shift it to suit their needs, story-wise. Exactly. So, anyway. Um, so, yeah, so it makes the news and, like, all the Camden... people all the Camden people (laughs) all the Camdens are like gathering around and whatever and I guess the the way that it's painted is like potentially she's being fired because she's black or they they say black we'll say Mm african-american um like like uh, sort of unfairly just on the grounds that she's Mm african-american or whatever and that's how like the news is painting it and shit yeah and then when the news coverage happens mrs mccool and the teacher are giving like a press conference or whatever and the teacher has to like say that like well at first i wanted to keep this private which is why i asked mrs mccool to like keep it private or whatever but like now because of this petition and how hyped up this whole thing is getting i feel like i have to like be honest and come clean or whatever what did you think the case was going to be? Or what the, what the situation was? I don't know. Okay. Uh, you had thoughts, as we all do. Come on. I mean, we, we have thoughts, but you all... <laughs> but I'm like the worst person to ask about my thoughts right now because while I was watching that episode, I was dead asleep. So I would have to rewind, watch, rewind, watch, rewind, watch because within the span of... Tw- oh, God. The first time I tried to watch this episode, within 25 minutes, I think I passed out 25 times. And then then when I tried to watch it the second time, I think I passed out maybe six times. And then I tried to rewind it. And at some point, I'm not going to do it anymore. So you did watch the episode. I did watch the episode. But I'm telling you, it's spotty. If anything, I'm like Grandpa Pete Charles right now. (laughs) (laughs) Totally fair. Because, okay... For me, I feel like, and again, it's hard not to watch this show through the lens of, like, you know, the current time and, like, all of the television we've seen and things that have happened in history since then and whatever. So, like, I knew this was wrong, but I couldn't shake it, and I definitely didn't think it was what it ended up being. But I, my, my gut feeling at first was like, oh, it's like some weird like molestation type of situation or whatever. 
Except that Mrs. McCool kept saying, like, she's not being fired. Yeah. Yes, she's not coming back next year, but she's not being fired. That I do remember. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, then, you know, so then it's like, well, what could it, like, what is it then? Like, what? Like, is she just quitting? If she was just quitting, why is it such a big deal or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And it turns out that she has cancer. She got diagnosed with, like, late-stage cancer, as they say on the show. And, um, and... She's like, she can't even bring herself to say it. She goes, she goes, Mrs. McCool, please, you have to tell them. I can't. And what I didn't understand, and you tell me if you felt the same way too, is like, why did it feel like she was ashamed of it? Like, like the way that it's painted is like, oh God, I can't even talk about it. It's too shameful. Oh, cancer. Like, no, dude. And, and this is what ends up being the case is like, of course not. Like, Everyone, the entire community is going to band together to support you and help you through this. And, like, no one's going to judge you or look at you differently or any of that shit. Like, why was it such a big secret? I, you know, if they were going to make it such a big, oh, I'd be messed up that I'm going to say this. If they're going to talk about something being, no, not shameful, but at the time with what media was back in the day in the 80s about AIDS, uh-huh. Like, there was more shame around that because of how media would cover it. Uh, sci- doctors didn't even know how to diagnose it or how to take care of yeah, it. And also, but, like, this also, is cancer. Was, yeah, and also AIDS was understood to be a sexually transmitted disease. Yeah. And it was more prevalent in the homophobic, homophobic in the gay community, which had its own stigmas and exactly. things, you know, against it or whatever, especially at the time. So, so... I don't, I don't agree with it, but I can understand how that might be something that that an entire like nation or community in this case might be kind of like prudish about or like weird about or whatever. But this is cancer, as you said. Yeah, it's something that happens to so many people, and for most of them, like you know, or not most of them, but it's like you know, it happens. You don't really know how or why. Nothing that she did or didn't do caused it. Like. It just happens, and it's the worst thing. And you know, you just you. I would think that she'd want all of the help and support and love she could get. You know, like why be like private and like not not okay. Private is one thing. Like if you want to, yeah, have some privacy about it. But like to for her to like be like I can't even talk about it. Like really, <laughs> really. I. It's seventh heaven. I don't know what to yeah, say anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking seventh like, heaven. Like, I don't think there's a point to dissect her. Like, okay, it's one thing, like, you can't talk about it because you can't get the words out because this is what you're facing. Mm-hmm. This I understand. But to be shame, like, shameful about it, I don't see that. Okay, like, and, why? Well, and you just said something that made me have this light bulb moment of, like, to be fair, maybe I was misreading the shame thing. Maybe, mm. maybe it's exactly what you just said. Maybe she's just, you know, private about it and she doesn't want to make a big deal about it. And I took it as, like, she's ashamed. Mm. I don't know. You have to help me here. I know that your recollection is spotty, but, like, did you also get the shame factor out of it? Or am I? is that just on me? Might be on you because I'm telling <laughs> you... This is going to be a great episode, by the way. I remember some things. Um, I know, I know. um, And arguably, this is, like, the lamest story because it's just lame. Like, it's... And the only interesting thing about it is the one thing that I'm withholding because I'm waiting to talk about it when we talk about Robbie. Yeah. Because... And even that, I'm not even sure really how it all ties in, but, like, that might be the only interesting facet to this story but like everything else around it is just like there's a misunderstanding ruthie feels bad okay and that's the other thing i want to talk about is like why does everybody feel so bad for signing this petition like when everything comes out yeah. right like and and they're like oh shit she's not being fired wrongfully she has cancer so she's withdrawing her as a as a teacher from the school like simon and lucy's face well and ruthie also is yeah. like you know mea culpa about it and like of course yeah they were wrong but like why are they so like 
Like, now they're ashamed that they signed this petition? Why? You were misinformed, sure, but you signed it on good ground. You signed it because you thought that someone was being wrongfully terminated from their job. That's not something to be ashamed about. Like, who gives a shit? It just... Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, you can say, like, I was wrong, I'm sorry, but not to be like, I feel so bad, like, oh my god, I had no clue. Yeah, that's it. You had no clue. That's it. <laughs> like, and then Lucy and Simon's teacher makes them feel bad about it and mm-hmm. like gives them like a fake detention to like teach them a lesson about signing petitions. I don't right. even know like what that was about. It's all really weird, right? Like yeah. it doesn't quite, the dots don't quite connect. Yeah, don't make them feel bad for signing a petition that they felt strongly about. Yeah. They thought that they were protecting someone, not hurting someone. Yeah. So their hearts were in the right place. So why do you have to make them feel bad? I don't understand. It's the idea that like, oh, if only we hadn't all signed it and it hadn't blown out of proportion, the teacher would have been able to keep her privacy and anonymity about it. Maybe. Yeah, but like if the... Okay. All right. That's fine. But maybe they... Fuck, it's going to go back to the principal and the teacher that is leaving. Like, you have these students that love you. You think they're not going to have questions about why you're leaving? Exactly. You can't, exactly. You can't just be like, one day just go, by the way, Mrs. Miller won't be here tomorrow. Yeah. Like, people are going to have questions. Look, I mean. And if you don't answer them, then people are going to start thinking and extrapolating from that. And of course, imaginations are going to run wild. And you can't blame anybody for that. They should have had... If anything, they should have just come clean. That's it. I agree. And, and especially because it was something like cancer, and that which is not a shameful thing. It's something that happens to so many people. Yeah. And knock wood, like, a lot of people come out of it, and a lot mm-hmm. of people don't, you know? But, like, it's not something that, like, needs to be stigmatized or anything like that. No. So, like, you know, just be honest about it. And, and be honest to the people that need to know and yeah. tell them to keep it private or whatever. You know, I, I just have a lot of issues with this. I, mm, I do. I, when a kid looks forward to seeing their teacher, I know that's such a special. You get thing. what I'm saying? Like it, when kids bond with their teacher, that's it. They look like I know that I did look forward to seeing some of my teachers at school. Yeah. What elementary, <clears throat> whatever, junior high, high school. Like I know that I had those days where I can say that I look forward to seeing a few teachers. So if Ruthie and, you know, everybody at her school mm-hmm. loves this woman and look forward to seeing her. I, I'm, God, I, not not that I'm trying to, you know, say it's her fault or whatever, but maybe it is, but it's like, own up to it. Those kids love you. I know. They love you. They're gonna, they deserve the honesty. And not only that, but like, when you do tell them, when you are honest with them about why you're stepping down from your position, like... Are they gonna? Are they going to? Like, all all that's gonna do is like garner more empathy and more sympathy yeah. for you anyway. Like, yeah. like, like these people that love you so much are only gonna love you that much more. Yeah. Like you have nothing to lose. Yeah. You know. I just I don't like how they, um, I I just don't think it's an emotionally intelligent episode. Agreed. When it comes it's to particularly how, about this, yeah, like how line. they handled this. Agreed. I don't like it. Um, yeah. it doesn't, it didn't make me go, oh man, they hit it there. They got it. They got it down. No, yeah. no, no, not at no, all. No feels whatsoever. No. If, at the end, when you find out she has cancer, you're like, okay. Yeah. And you then, feel sorry for her character, but okay. And then, and then it's made even more like weird because the resolution to the storyline is not with the teacher and no. Ruthie. Or, you know, because that's arguably, like, maybe even more, like, the emotional center of everything is, mm-hmm. like, Ruthie's love for this teacher. That's not where the lo- the resolution happens. The resolution happens with the teacher's brother, who's Lucy and Simon's teacher. Yeah. And, and with the brother and Lucy, Simon, and Matt, like, yeah. coming to terms with it. Or, like, you know, like, they have words where they're, like, we're here, we're so sorry about the, 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 about the petition, blah, blah, blah. And then the brother gets to say the words about, like... She's doing good. She realizes that this is love and that she's, you know, she's willing to accept. Why couldn't she say those things? Talk about an emotional, like, intelligence. Like, yeah. it's a, that's like, that's like storytelling 101. She's the one. She's the character that's the sympathetic character. Yeah. Let her have the monologue at the end mm-hmm. where she's like, thank you. I love the love. Like, you know, much appre- you know, like all that shit. Like, what the hell? The random guy gets to do all that? Like, it's so weird. 
Seventh heaven. <laughs> Poorly executed stories. <laughs> All the, the time. Camdens. <laughs> All the fucking time. And Glen Oak. <laughs> and Glen Oak. I like that. I'm going to write this song, and it will be debuted on this podcast. Um, yeah. Any okay, I I actually do have a stray observation about this storyline before we wrap it up. Okay, I'm gonna play a clip, and my question before I play it is: Is Ruthie's relationship with Mrs. Cool weird? Hello. I thought you might still be there. I've got four phone lines here and only two at home. Do you want something, Ruthie? Yeah, I want you to make me feel better about screaming like a crazy person at you. <laughs> I already accepted your apology. An apology doesn't seem like enough, does it? No, it really doesn't. So what do we do? We just move on. We've got bigger problems than words said in anger and hurt feelings. And public humiliation. Well, as it turns out, Ruthie, when the public found out what was really going on, I got a flood of phone calls thanking me for how I handled the situation. That's good. Maybe. I try to stay neutral and not judge situations as good or bad. I still don't feel better. I don't know how to just move on. What's going on at your house tonight? Big family meeting. Grandpa's in town. At first I thought he and Ginger were breaking up. That's the lady he married after my grandma died. But I think it's something else. You have an interesting family. Ruthie! I gotta go now. And thanks. I am better. What the fuck? Ruthie, <laughs> you shouldn't be telling all these details to your principal because one time you did and you got in trouble. So let's not do it again. Like, it's weird, right? It is weird. How close they are and how sherry they are Lady about J, their thoughts Lady and J, lives. You're forgetting. She goes to a private school. <laughs> oh, that's right. Also, is it an all-girls private school? Oh, right, they don't mention... Uh, well... They, I feel like they hint at that in this episode. Yeah. But I don't think I ever knew... I don't think we ever knew that... No, no. ...to be a fact. I don't remember it being a fact. I think after you realize that all... In this season, we're seeing Ruthie with a lot of girlfriends or, like, no friends, whatever. Yeah. But, but we're mostly... I've noticed we are only seeing females, like, little girls, just, like, on screen. So, I... I didn't. Wait, I didn't when, even think about it. Where did she meet the boyfriend guy, Bert? At her public school. At public school. Okay. Yeah, when she was, you know, lower class. <laughs> <laughs> when she was too smart for her grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Oh, poor Bert. But seriously, oh, one of the best Bert. Valentines, man. He brought a fucking horse, dude. And like for Ruthie, that's like that's like getting your name in lights yeah, on yeah. some of the marquee, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm never gonna forget that Valentine. No, you're not. Um, yeah, so, it's an all-girl private school. Womp, womp, Ruthie and her teacher and Mrs. McCool. (laughs) Are, like, the best of buds. Well, not Miss, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the part where it goes really weird is, like, what's going on at your house tonight? Bitch, you are 40. (laughs) Like, (laughs) hang up the phone. (laughs) What's going on at your house? I and telling it, I have four lines. I'm, oh, God, stop. Well, and the fact that Ruthie, like, calls her at the school at, like, middle of the night. Like, what is, what's going on here? <laughs> I knew you'd be there. Like, <laughs> I know. It's so weird. Anyway. And seriously, um, do you only talk to Ruthie? Out of all? Well, yeah, it does feel like that. She recognized her voice right away. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, so insane. Uh, she okay. gives all her time just to Ruthie. <laughs> Also, is this private school that she goes to in Glen Oak? You know, they don't touch that, so I have no idea. Presumably. Because I think Lucy drops her off, so it can't be that far. Yeah. Well, whatever. These are details that are neither relevant nor that we care about. Nope. Um, Okay. So, what I want to do next before we have fun or before we get into the Grandpa Pete Charles storyline. Grandpa Pete Charles. Grandpa Pete Charles. I actually don't even know what his real, like, is it Pete or Charles? D- dude, I was thinking about that <laughs> on my ride over. I was like, what is Grandpa's name? I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I honestly don't know. I think it's Charles, though. I think, like, his, the character's name is Charles. Okay. Right? Whatever. 
Because Pete's not a name for an old man. <laughs> like, hey, Pete. No. Which is funny because, like, all Pete's go, grow old eventually. So then there's old Pete's. But, like, it doesn't strike me as correct. I mean, we can totally look this up, but we're No, I refuse. To. I refuse. He will always be Grandpa Pete Charles to yes. us. Um, okay, so, so, okay, yeah. So before we do that, I just want to play what I'm call- It's a montage, and I'm calling it Get in Morgan's Belly. So why'd you want to talk here? Why not in my office? Why not uh, someplace where we can eat? Are you sure we couldn't do this over lunch at a special restaurant? <laughs> You're hungry, right? I am. Okay, look, I'm assuming <laughs> uh, you've got some information on, on some grave sin. Otherwise, we're sitting in an uncomfortable place with empty bellies for no reason at all. I don't know if there's sin involved exactly, but just hang in with me. Okay? I'm going somewhere with all this. Any possibility you'd be going to lunch with it? I'm sorry to rush you, but are, are we getting to something here? I mean, because I'm really, really hungry, and so far, there's still no mention of a single sin, except maybe Wilson. No, the question is, why couldn't you have told me that somewhere food is being served? I'm going to buy you lunch. Just hang in there. (laughs) I am with Hamilton here. I am with him 100% because I know I've been in that situation, and if someone's hangry, you do not vent and reveal things when you're hangry. I just could not handle it and mind you it should be noted that every single clip i just played is from the first five minutes of I this know. episode i know before the cold open oh no actually it's after the cold open which we'll talk about but like it's literally like it's like it's it's so right there like like morgan's there for five minutes where all he does is complain about how hungry he is while eric tells him a story and then that's it we never see or hear from morgan again and we never find out did he eat i know i know (laughs) i couldn't it's fucking insane yeah it was hilarious i couldn't stop laughing (laughs) at at, for those five minutes but all (laughs) i swear all i was thinking was Fucking A, Eric, take him out to lunch. Oh my God. Just seriously. take him out to lunch. But it's just so funny how like, like, because for, for context, what happens is Eric comes to Morgan's church yeah. to talk to him and he's like telling the story. And so it's a lot of like cutting back and forth between them in the church mm-hmm. and what he's talking about, like playing out in front of us yeah. on the screen. So, so like every time we cut back, to Eric and Morgan. Morgan's just complaining about how hungry he is. I couldn't, like, it was too funny. It yeah. was ridiculous. Like, he couldn't even, he wasn't even listening to Eric, you could tell. That's why you need to feed the person. To you need just to be like, why are we eating? If you want to have a conversation and the bear is hungry, you give it food. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, okay, but now that that's out of the way, we can talk about what they're talking about. Okay, <laughs> um, okay. so going back to that cold open. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to say this because I I have I know what I want to say, but I want to make sure that it lands properly. Okay. So why don't we do this? We'll just lay out the scene, right? So it's and mind you, this is an important thing. I don't know if you've noticed, but I have, and I've never really said it on the podcast. I don't think, but I strongly believe that it was written in some sort of a contract or agreement or some sort of studio note handed down to Brenda Hampton or something that when we come out of the cold open mm-hmm. before like the show kicks back in you know whatever yeah. have you noticed that there's always always a minute and a half to two minutes of silent action happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Silent meaning no dialogue. Yeah, action. yeah, exactly. Whether it's literal, like this, like the like the town waking, waking up, up, which we've talked about, or the most the like the, the strongest memory I have is like when Simon is like looking for clothes to wear and he's like shaving his pits and shit, whatever he's doing, and it's like just like him looking in the mirror for two mm-hmm. and a half minutes while nothing is happening. That's that's been true of every, every single episode. Yes. Yes. With the exception of this one, where that one and a half to two minutes of silent, no dialogue mm-hmm. happens in the cold. Like, the cold open is that. Yeah. So, that being said, the cold open is just 
every single one of the Camden people, or the, every single one in the Camden household, including like Robbie and whatever, them like shots of them sleeping, mm-hmm. like soundly asleep. And then we go downstairs to the dining room table where Eric is awake yeah. with, a, with a cup of coffee and his notebook. And he steps away, I guess, to refill his coffee cup. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and we get a shot of his notebook. And what he's written is, Tuesday, 4 a.m., I cannot get this revelation out of my mind or the possible consequences when it's revealed. Yeah. Now... If you, like me, listener, was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. I googled that exact phrase because I wasn't sure that it wasn't a quote from the Bible. <laughs> <gasps> okay. Like, at first I was like, oh, is he just, like, ruminating on the Bible? <laughs> like, I don't know what this is or isn't. Yeah. So I typed that exact quote into Google, and when I did that, Seventh Heaven popped up. So I was okay. like, okay, no, it's not a Bible thing. This is from this episode. And it's, it's like Eric's own words or whatever, yeah. right? But what's more interesting is we learned two pieces of very important information in just the shot of his notebook alone. Mm-hmm. One, Eric's blue pen ran out of ink halfway through the word Tuesday, and he switched to black. <laughs> and two... He sucks at pouring coffee, such that he spilled it down the sides of the cup, didn't wipe it off the cup, placed it on his notebook, therefore creating a coffee ring, before putting it on the coaster literally one foot away. <laughs> Your attention to detail. I couldn't help it, man. When you, don't, when you give me no dialogue and I'll have to just stare at the screen, yeah. I notice things yeah. like your blue pen running out of ink halfway through the word Tuesday. <laughs> it was so stupid. So fucking stupid. Why even do that? So people like you they can probably, pay attention. No, they probably were like, oh, this will be really slick. Like, this will show the passage of time. It's not just, like, one day of notes. Like, ooh, let's have the pen run out of ink. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so dumb. And then they actually, like, the, the extra dumb part is, like, right when the screen fades in, like, the, like yeah. the initial screen, it's, like, we get a timestamp, 4 a.m. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So why go to the, th- why even do that if the notebook's going to tell me it's Tuesday at 4 a.m.? Like, pick one or the other, man. <laughs> so dumb. Oh, oh this show. I oh, know, this show. I know. Oh, maybe one day it'll be good. <laughs> she says. One day. Hopefully. <laughs> With her fingers crossed. Um, okay. So let's talk about Grandpa P. Charles. Let's talk about Grandpa P. Oh, that's Charles. That's mm-hmm. um, So the revelation in question is, well, you know what? Well, it's I don't know how much more detail I need to go into, but like Grandpa P. Charles shows up out of the blue mm-hmm. at Eric's office at the church. And... Prior to that, Annie had talked to Ginger, and Ginger had, like, expressed that, like, oh, they're all fine or whatever, but, like, Annie doesn't quite believe it, and so they're starting to, like, wonder, oh, no, is, like, is there trouble in Grandpa P. Charles and Ginger's is paradise or whatever? And then Grandpa P. Charles shows up out of the blue, so Eric is, like, trying to talk to him and also share, like, you know, some of the, some of the stuff that's been going on in their lives, whatever. And Eric mentions that... Mary may or may not be seeing Wilson mm-hmm. in Buffalo, even though she's like with Robbie here in Glen Oak. Yeah. And that Annie had expressed concern about Wilson because of the fact that he is a teen father yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And as soon as Eric says that, Grandpa yeah. done loses it. Oh, yeah, it's always the guy's fault. Isn't it enough that Wilson suffered through the loss of his wife? Isn't it enough that he took responsibility for the child? Isn't it enough that he's a single father going through college? I mean, how good do you want the guy to be before he can go out with your daughter? Young people fall in love. They have sex. They, they father children. They grow up and they become responsible parents who work hard and do the best they can. And sometimes they never emotionally recover from the heartache of what other people call their mistake. 
Why do I get the feeling we're not talking about Wilson? Because we're talking about me. How are we talking about you? Annie has a sister. <laughs> what I still can't get over in in the beginning, you know, before the the credits, um, how Ginger and Pete Charles, how there is still hope of them not being together. Yeah. Like really? Yeah. Are we still petty about this shit? It, yeah, and Annie's like a little too excited over the potential, very as slim as it is. Slight potential that maybe there's trouble in his and Ginger's paradise. Like, how fucked up is that? That's pretty fucked up. But, but, and I'm not, and I'm not actually even, it's not even a but. I, all I want to say is like, admit into evidence that like, you know, Grandpa Pete Charles is, has Alzheimer's and that's going to come with its own set of challenges. Of course. And is Ginger fully equipped to handle that by herself, such as they are all yeah. the way in Arizona, you know? I think maybe that's more so where the concern might be coming from. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but just that look on her face really bothered me. Yeah. It did. Yeah. And, 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 and Eric notice, calls her out on it. And did you notice, too, before this revelation happens, when after she gets off the phone with him and Eric's like calls her out on it like oh, calm down kind of thing she goes well he is my only living relative which is such a weird way to say that like he's my only family yeah. <laughs> like he's my only living relative who says that mm, no one which like weirdly enough i remember like hearing that and registering that's a weird way to say that and then as soon as this re this revelation happens i was like oh that's why <laughs> yeah i've just been to the well he is my dad yeah, exactly. Not even exactly. Like that's what you would normally say. Yeah, yeah. He's my only re uh, living relative. <laughs> okay, a dumb way to say that. Well, guess what? You got a sister. <laughs> but I will say this about Grandpa's revelation, or that scene we just heard. It might be the most honest portrayal of the human condition we've ever seen or heard on this show. Hmm. Like, and I, mean, and I mean honest in the sense that it's, like, it's candid, it's real, it's grounded in reality. Mm -hmm. Like, where he's just, like, he's just, like, kids, kids fall in love, they have sex, mistakes are made, all that shit. Like, yeah. I feel like it's such a frank way to, like, pose all that yeah. information that, I, like, the show tends to, like, not really want to do because it's so prudish all the time mm -hmm. and, like, weirdly, like kind of retro time. in its thinking and shit, you know? Like, like it was kind of cool to, like, see somebody just say, like, listen, man, shit happens, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, yeah. So Annie has a sister. Annie has a sister. <laughs> um, the problem that I find, again, in the storytelling and all that about this episode, is that, like... What like the way that they contrive it so that it takes so long into the episode for Annie to like find out or be confronted by the information, mm -hmm. which then has to speed up the resolution of it when spoiler alert she meets her sister, yeah, or half sister as it were. Um, like it, like rather than spend the time on that, they spend like half if not more of the episode on like when's Annie gonna find out when's the when everyone else is gonna find out like that's not relevant once the audience knows yeah <laughs> like like once we know everyone should know because it's not relevant to us watching to us watching it none of it matters anymore it really doesn't especially when Annie walks into Reverend Hamilton's church and and asks Hamil uh no not Morgan John, Morgan <laughs> um is Eric having an affair yeah, and he's all, no, well, what is it? I can't tell you. Really? Like, okay, maybe that's true, but why not just confront your husband then immediately upon seeing him? <laughs> oh, yeah. and this whole, like, affair thing, I'm just still annoyed with this uh, shit, too. I know. Let's not forget that she has, that Annie has laid the, I don't want to call it the ultimatum, but, like, the, the gauntlet yeah. of this whole Serena thing down. Um... But anyway, that's a story for another episode. Um, yeah, so the, like, oh, oops, I didn't tell you. I sh I'm sorry, I should have told you, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? 
now Annie knows, and she's not happy about it. No. Which is understandable, right? Because, well, I'll, I'll let her tell you. Now, I, I wasn't going to share this with you until I had met her and, and talked with her and, and done my own homework. But I changed my mind. I want you with me. I need you. I'm really nervous about meeting this woman. And um, I feel really sad that my father had another woman in his life before my mom. And I'm a little jealous that my dad has another daughter because I've always been the only one. Right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. what it comes down to. It's yeah. the narrative of her life has changed. Yeah. Like, her whole life, she's been the only daughter of Grandpa Pete Charles and Grandma Jenny? I think it's Jenny. Yeah. Jenny. Sorry. She, <laughs> Jenny. Um, you know, she, that, that's been her family her yeah. whole life. That's the story. That's her narrative. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, shit changes on you, and mm -hmm. you need time to process and deal. Yeah. And, but of course Annie's going to be, you know, going to take it in stride. Of course she's going to be gracious. Of course she's going to, like, get over herself because that's who Annie is. Like, yeah. Like, of course. Like, there's there was never a doubt in anyone's I mind know. watching this that that wasn't going to be the end case scenario, we just you know? Need to, we just need to watch her go through the roller coaster. Yeah. That's it. Which, whatever, it's valid, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, but I think something... Even more special comes out of this, which is when, you know, what we just heard is like her talking to the kids, like telling them what she now knows about mm -hmm. her half-sister and because she's going to be dropping by mm -hmm. and saying how she wants them to help her through it and whatever. And again, like, not again, but my point is in doing that, in bringing the family together and like sitting them down and going like, we're going to do this together kind of thing, we get this really sweet and special moment mm -hmm. of she, of her and Eric like talking to the kids. And when I say kids, I do include Robbie in that because yeah. for all intents and purposes, Robbie's one of the Camden kids now. What do you want us to do exactly, me in particular? Now, Robbie, with all your street smarts, we think you size up people pretty quickly. and We're interested in what you feel when you meet this woman. Ruthie, you're also good at judging character. Matt, you've always been good at getting my mood up, so um, if I get down about this... I can pick you up. And Lucy, you're really a good listener, especially about matters of the heart. And Simon, you've always been good at giving practical advice, so I may be coming to you for help. You no, know, I think this is really cool that you're including us in this. Yeah, I feel like a grown-up. I like the responsibility. It's nice to feel needed. Yeah. Thanks. How fucking sweet is that? I know. Like, I loved everything about that scene. Kind of gives you a toothache. <laughs> Ooh, cavities. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I just thought it was really sweet that, like, amidst all of this craziness that's happening in Annie's head and in her life and just in general or whatever, like, they took the time to, like really like focus in on each kid's like strengths, strengths yeah. like emotional strengths, mm -hmm. you know, and, and like highlight those things mm -hmm. and speak to why the, they're, they're important to the family dynamic here. You yeah. know, it was just a really nice moment. And then for each of the kids to be like, like, thank you, like for including us mm -hmm. and like making this a family thing. I don't know. It was really, yeah. it was a really touching and not too, too saccharine moment. Yeah. I did, um, I will say I did enjoy what Annie tells her father in the kitchen. Which is, remind everyone. She said it was the first time I saw you as a person, not as my father. Aww. And I thought like, because that's pretty big. Because yeah. you always see your dad as your dad. But yeah. to see him like as an individual, like no, almost being removed you know, and just seeing him as this person, not, like, keeping him on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, I don't know, I thought that was pretty big. Well, and that's such an important transition in a parent-child relationship mm -hmm. that I that I want to say, like, I think is inevitable. Like, and whether it happens when you're a teenager or when you're 50, in mm -hmm. Annie's case, 
let's be generous and say 45. Okay. <laughs> like, um, you know, like, I think, I think that's, um, I think that is like sort of the court, like the natural course of parent-child relationships mm-hmm. is that eventually they transition from like, your parents are these authority figures who you put on a pedestal yeah. and you sort of I- idolize and idealize in a way to like, they're, they're just human beings. Mm-hmm. They're people just like yourself and they have problems and they've made mistakes and all yeah. that shit, you know? Um, and I actually think that, I actually don't even believe Annie when she says it's the first time she's seen her father as a person. Because I, as if, as if she's being honest with herself, I think the first time that might have happened was when he decided to be with Ginger. Mm, that's right? true. Um, but I think at the time she might have been too focused on like disliking Ginger's mm-hmm. entrance into the family to focus on what it meant that her father was like moving on to someone else kind yeah. of thing. Um, but if she was like honest with herself, I think she'd realize that moment maybe as the first time she saw her father as a person, not her dad. Man, that was um, such a shit show. Dude, yeah. That was the one and only time we've seen Annie be ungracious or ingracious and like rude and bratty and annoying and They're shit. not getting married. She wouldn't prepare shit. Nothing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I, re- I just really enjoyed mm-hmm. sort of. I, while I didn't appreciate all the, like, is she going to find out? Who's going to tell her? Oh, no, of it all. I appreciated that, like... Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, Mr. Bell. Um, <laughs> every episode. Um, I appreciated that, like, in the end, it wasn't really even a... It was, but it wasn't really because it was about, like, her unit, her yeah. family, and, like, like feeling solid in mm-hmm. that, you know? Um yeah, and then we meet the sister who is what? How many years older than Annie do you think she is? That's the thing. I don't know. Like, we know that that Grandpa Pete Charles had her like at seventeen, 17? but we don't know when he had Annie. Yeah, so easy, like easy five years older than her. Oh yeah, easy. I was gonna say more because she seems significantly, in terms of her look, yeah, seems significantly older. Yeah. I was gonna go more like maybe ten, fifteen, mm-hmm. but then that makes her way too old to have Annie, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Only because of like what the times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When people would get married. So. Yeah, all that. Yeah, five to ten, I think, is yeah. a decent range. Yeah, because she's not like old and frail. You no, know? she's just. You can tell she's older than Annie. Yeah. Um, I kept, did you, I don't know if you picked up on this, um, given the state of you when you're watching the episode, maybe not, but like when they open the door and grandpa Pete Charles and Lily is her name Mm -hmm. are standing there like in the doorway. Yeah. Like, like, and so they open the door on these two, like side by side, the resemblance is striking. Like you see it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I was reaching for it because I knew it or whatever, but she does look somewhat like you it feels like she could be his daughter really. yeah i don't know and then i and so then i started like wondering like oh is this another stunt cast like is that his daughter yeah. <laughs> like you know playing the role or whatever but it's not <laughs> it's, it's just not. a woman um but um yeah i don't know are we ever going to see her again i don't know i'm gonna venture to guess no although if and when Grandpa Pete Charles dies, she might show up to the funeral. Yeah. Like, that would be a good time, I guess, to re-enter her into the universe. Um, I was going to make a straight observation about this whole storyline that now I can't remember. I'm so sorry. Don't be sorry. What's the... What, what do people say? Don't be sorry, be... Help... No. Don't... I don't know, whatever. You know, you know what I'm talking about, though. It's like they go like, "Don't be da 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 da." Don't be da 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 da. You know that old saying: <laughs> "When dryness lingers, get some cream on those fingers." Vagisil. <laughs> I just made a weird face right now. I'm sorry. I had to say that because I rem- because me going da 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 reminded me of that, which, for those who don't know, is um, SNL. They used to do this thing where it was like Jason Sudeikis and Will Forte. They would do um, 
what they would call like ESPN classics. So like the conceit of the sketch was like they're two commentators and they're and it and it's like an old it's like an ESPN classic episode mm-hmm. of like with these two commentators commenting on some women's sporting event or whatever. And and so like they just like talk about what's happening, you know? And then every so often they'd have to like stop and like read an ad because yeah. they have to like you know get paid or whatever. And one of those ads was for was what I just said, uh, and I just it has always stayed with me since I've seen it. And I can't find the clip on clip on YouTube. So if any listener can find that clip for me, I would be forever indebted. Um, and we give you a shout out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so. What was I saying? I don't know. I've lost my train of thought completely. Annie's cool. Lily's cool. Oh, right. This is what I was going to say. So we learn that, like, what Lily's story is, right? Because cause what we, what I, what I haven't, what we haven't talked about is, like, the whole deal was she, that Grandpa P. Charles was with this girl, whatever, yeah. his high school sweetheart. sweetheart. Yeah. And then one day her parents like sent her away mm-hmm. and he suspected it was because she was pregnant but he never was able to get in contact with her ever again mm-hmm. and so he never really knew and he never met this daughter like there was no like he's he had just been living all these years with the knowledge that he may have gotten some girl pregnant and he may have a kid somewhere out in the world yeah. like that's all he's like he's been living with that mm-hmm. for years like his entire life pretty much and then so Lily found him, like sought him out because her adoptive parents both passed. Yeah. And so when she was like, let me find my biolog- biological parents, she discovered that her mother, mm-hmm. Grandpa P. Charles' high school sweetheart, had recently passed away. Yeah. But she was able to find him and so sought him out. And mm-hmm. here we are. Which is like sad, kind of. And yeah. sweet, kind of. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I can't. I can't imagine being adopted. Well, <laughs> or like, or being put up for adoption. No, like just like, oh, they. Well, that entire process, like yeah. finding, <clears throat> finding your birth parents, like yeah, like with nothing to go off. Yeah, of. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And who knows how they like took care of documents then? Well, I, I mean, I'm guessing that's how she found them is like yeah. through some sort of records mm-hmm. bureau or something. But yeah, I mean, such a long shot at like 55 years old or whatever old she is mm-hmm. to like find your birth parents like yeah. if they're alive which like one of them wasn't you know mm-hmm. like yeah crazy yeah it's also crazy that like she never did that before like because i mean it's, it's not crazy but like clearly she knew she was adopted because yeah. she knew to look for her birth parents after her parents died mm-hmm. so it's a little unusual, I'll say, yeah. that in all her years, she never once thought or cared to look them up. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess she was uh, content. Like, she didn't need it. Yeah. That's which, what it was. Which, I, maybe that's, like, kind of the best thing ever. You yeah. know what I mean? Maybe that is the best case scenario, that you don't even have the inkling or feel the, that like, that hole or in like, your yeah. heart or whatever you want to describe it as. Yeah. Eh. I don't know. No. I'm watching Switched at Birth, so I have a lot of opinions about that. <laughs> you guys, I'm telling you, get on this Switched at Birth train, okay? Like, yeah, it's an ABC Family or Freeform show or whatever, and yeah, that comes with its stigmas. But, like, it's really good. <laughs> but it's like I really good. love it. Um, okay. I don't know. I feel like maybe we talked enough about that. I think so. Okay, so before we wrap things up, I do want to talk about Robbie's whole thing. Okay. The the C story. You're going to have to take this. No, all good. I I have a great clip. So another montage for us. Um, Ultimately, sort of the catalyst for everything is when in that morning scene when Ruthie is talking about her petition and Annie's signing it or whatever – Eric makes a comment about how he realized that, like, oh, Robbie hadn't signed it, and yet he's a student. Why didn't he? And Robbie makes a comment that he doesn't do that. Like, he doesn't ever sign shit like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think maybe the clip speaks for itself, and we can talk about it. Well, actually, it doesn't. Okay, yes, it does. (laughs) I'm like, so I don't even know what the clip is. Yes, I do. (laughs) No, I don't put my name on anything like that. I'm not even registered to vote. (laughs) 
That's criminal. In America? In this house, register to vote today. But it's not voting season. Do you like living here? Yeah, I love living here. I just don't want to register to vote. I feel like it puts me on some government list. You are. You're on the government's list of registered voters. Fine, but you know, don't complain about one thing during this administration since you didn't vote. I won't, I promise. Not yet, but I will. He will what? I didn't vote in the presidential election. I wasn't registered. And you like this one better than the other one? He means Wilson. Is it because Mrs. McCool hates blacks? Because if it is, she should be prosecuted. That's against the law. For now, the medical care has become a political issue and everyone should pay attention to that. Oh, I hope we're not having one of those rolling blackouts again. I don't think you're allowed to complain. The president has something to do with electricity? Uh, not this one. <laughs> like, okay, it's, the clip's a little hard to, like, maybe understand without too much context, but we'll talk about it. Um, or you'll talk about it. <laughs> okay, I'll talk about it. Um, so, let's be clear. Again, this is May 2001. Mm -hmm. The 2000 presidential election between Al Gore and George W. Bush has just happened. And Bush has won. Mm -hmm. And here's my problem, is it's not clear to me anymore whether the Camdens are a conservative or liberal family. Because I thought I always, I thought I always knew that they were conservatives. Mm -hmm. But, and, and that also explains why Eric makes the comment of like, you don't get to complain about this administration since you didn't vote. Cause like he's, cause he's making a comment about how like young kids are gonna complain that yeah. Bush won because of the whole drama back in two thousand, mm -hmm. where you know the popular vote said one thing and the electoral college said another and it was a big deal and like I, I don't even know if that's ever happened in history until then, at least not in like modern history yeah. maybe when you know once the population became what it is or I don't know, but um, anyway, so he makes that comment. And then, then though, he starts talking about like me, like the medical you know issues or whatever like 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 the healthcare mm -hmm. issues that are plaguing the country and the comment about like how it's illegal to fire someone because they're black and he goes for now, like which makes me think oh he's against historically right wing conservative mm -hmm. policies that are like anti minority. Yeah. And then, and then the one that really boggles my mind is the rolling blackout comment, and how she and how Annie's like, not this one. Like it was Clinton's fault that the electricity sucked. Like I don't even get it. Like I don't get that at all. <laughs> what was that about? Oh, like shot. Like is it is it meant to be a comment about like shoddy like infrastructure and like, you know, like like basic, you know, maintenance of day-to-day -day living I, I don't know I it doesn't make any sense to me at all like that that one like really baffled me and if any listeners out there understand that in a greater context like in, in the meta context of yeah. like what was happening in the world like maybe it's like a specific reference that I just don't remember from that time I don't know no but now like, you got me thinking yeah it was whatever I mean it is what it is you heard it um but it's just these like little digs, mm -hmm. these like not even digs, just like these little like barely subtle political comments yeah. peppered throughout the episode. Like anytime Robbie's on the scene, like like they're gonna make a comment about some political thing one way or the other, you know? And and I don't really know where the show is landing. Are we talking like we're pro Bush and anti like election deniers or like liberals who were like this is wrong or like or are we like are we just like oh the country's going to hell in a handbasket because look at how we all can't agree and i don't know <laughs> i don't i'm not asking i, I, know, I, know, I'm, I not, know. I'm not like answer me t <laughs> i'm just like putting it out there um yeah i don't know it's just weird it's almost like kind of unfair i think for the show to even do anything like this because yeah. again it's not a political show yeah it's I mean, heaven yeah and and listen they're they're a very religious god-fearing family and so i think that 
puts them a little bit more towards the right than mm-hmm. the left by nature. But that's but that isn't to say that they don't have some liberal views about yeah. things. And we what from what we've seen in the, over the course of five seasons, like they're not like hardcore like Bible thumping conservatives, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it is interesting, like because I think a rational mind can look at the 2000 presidential election and say, like, like the process was the process, mm-hmm. and that's how it happened. And certainly it was, like, the first time, and it was weird, and, like, it shook shit up, and it was like, what the fuck is happening here right now? But it happened. And, like, and, I, and I'm being really careful because... I'm putting myself in 2000 presidential election terms. What happened in the 2016 presidential election is completely different. And while the outcome is ultimately the exact same thing as what happened in 2000, it's a completely different landscape. The world is different. This country is different. And I cannot say, it's fine. The process was the process. <laughs> like, not at all. The process but, was the process. But back in 2000, I think, I think, yeah, of course it was like controversial and like weird and shit. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of it, as a country, we came out of it saying, you know what? It happens. It hasn't happened, but we, of course we knew it could and it did. And here we are, you know? Um, so, so it's weird to me that the show is like, let's talk about this. Mind you, let's talk about this five or like seven months after it's happened in real life. Yeah. You know? Although, if you think about shooting schedules, while they were shooting this, it was probably much closer to election time than when it aired. Probably. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I'm not, I'm not saying, like... I'm not saying they shot it, like, in November. Yeah. But, like, you know, like, it was probably, like, a little bit more, um, like, like, hot take, you know, mm-hmm. when they were filming it, as opposed to maybe when it aired. Although, I don't even know, because... Because I don't remember my, personally, like, how long after the election we were still, like, sort of talking about it and it was, like, a big thing or whatever. Um, but, yeah. Certainly, when season six picks up, that's going to be a whole can of worms with, no. you know, post 9-11. Um, and we'll see what the show does or doesn't do about that's it. That's true. I... Based on the track record Seventh Heaven has shown, I'm willing to bet that they won't address it. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? I'm gonna go on record now, mm-hmm. like several episodes before we even get there. I'm gonna go on record and say that the show does not. They might like talk. Like I'm not saying they won't mention it at all or whatever, but like I don't think they're gonna have like like an episode that's like about it or yeah. that it's gonna be like like a topic of conversation that like that has like a lesson or a moral i don't think they'll deal that deal with that probably not i don't know i mean west wing did and west wing was like dope as fuck they had yeah but west wing can get away with it that's true because it's a political show yeah they can get away with it but and mind you they just they they basically like stopped tracks like stopped dead in their tracks in their storytelling and they had an episode, like a complete non sequitur episode that the conceit of it was like they're on a lockdown or something. Mm. And there's like a, like a school group visiting. And so they get locked down and so like these kids have nowhere to go and nothing to see. So they get like locked in like the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And of course, like the cast, like the, the advisors or whatever, like uh, they're, they're like talking to the kids. And mm. like it's, it's about like, you know, terrorism and like middle east and all that shit whatever but it's like such a like cool way to address it without really addressing it because like in the narrative of the story it's it's not like it's not like in the world of west wing 9-11 happens it's just like it's just like they they're on a lockdown because like there's some threat or whatever and they start like talking about these issues or whatever Mm. like it was pretty cool I don't think the show will really do it any justice, if I'm being honest. But we'll see. Maybe, maybe they addressed it the best. <laughs> bullshit. And yet no one's talking about I'll, it. I'll go like on the record saying bullshit. <laughs> um, okay. I kind of feel like we did it. Oh, I think so. Okay. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, we definitely did it. Okay. Um, so let's write the episode. 
Drew, go first. Okay, I've been really bad. I didn't pre-record my my rating. Okay. Again. Again. Slap on the wrist to Lady J. Um, so it's just going to have to be based on our conversation and my gut. And I'm going to give this episode a... Four. Oh, good girl. <laughs> I was like, three? No, four. Um, yeah, four, because like, whatever, it's not the worst thing. And it's just, it's just bad overall. Yeah. You know? No, because whenever you're, I see the, I was like, better be fucking four, not five. Oh, no, no, no. There's just, there's no way this is a five. There's so many fives out there that are like way better than this episode. Like, because, and it's everything we talked about. Like, they, the, the lack of the emotional intelligence, which you so aptly put about the whole cancer thing, the somewhat lackluster resolution to the to grandpa's big revelation Mm -hmm. and then the whole political thing which like isn't even a thing but they they talked about it so here we are um yeah it's just a whatever episode okay i'll I'll help you out and i'll give you i'll give it a three oh nice yeah all right thanks yeah thanks no problem (laughs) seven out of 20 Imagine if we did that. Imagine if we like accumulated our scores out of 20 for each episode. That oh. would be so dumb. Oh, it'd be horrible. <laughs> it would always be less than eight. <laughs> well, yeah, and it would like force us to like skew down, I think. Like I think I think I'd be more inclined to skew down I, I than swear. I than I am. Yeah. Specifically for that purpose, so that it's never scoring more than a 60. Like <laughs> 60% that is. Um yeah. All right. So as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. You can follow us at For Heaven's Sake Pod or send us an email at For Heaven's Sake Show at gmail.com. Um, another reminder: anyone that leaves a five star review, or you know what, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a hail mary at us. Hail? No. On call an audible. That's the right term. I don't watch football. Um, <laughs> I'm going to call an audible and say, Hail Mary, what was I thinking? Oh my God, Lady J. Stop it. Okay, and say, for for now, any review. You know what? Tell us we suck. Leave us a one-star review. <laughs> Tell us. I want to know. You know what? I, I welcome the criticism and the feedback, much like a, tr- a lawyer on her first trial might seek fe- criticism and feedback from the jury after they're dismissed. I welcome the criticism and feedback. And I speak for T, I think, when I say that. <gasps> leave us leave us any kind of re- review we want, and guess what? We will read it on the air. You know, it's just really funny as you're saying this, because, like, you know, the five stages of grief. Like, <laughs> in denial, you bargain. <laughs> Wait, is that to say that, like, this, this podcast is, like, grief? No, no, it's just, like, the way that you're, like, any five... You know what? It's okay. I'll bargain with you guys. Give me anything. <laughs> Listen... I don't know who's listening to this thing, but I know that we are getting consistent downloads every twice a week for the last year and some change. So to those listeners, I thank you. And we are so happy to be doing this for you guys. And we might not love the show, but we love the podcast. Yes. So it is an absolute joy to do this. And we're going to keep doing it, whether no one listens or some people listen or a million people listen. So it would just be nice to, like, you know, get some feedback. That's all. Um, But, like, no press, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, I'm so cool. Um, Yeah. And until next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs)